Now, in the past, we would have done one of these values exercises. When I used to do youth ministry in the schools, we would do small groups in schools and stuff. We'd always do one of these values exercises where, you know, you put everybody, you're in a, in a rubber raft out in the middle of the ocean, and uh, you've got you and a friend, you've got, a, uh, you know, a set of flares, you've got enough food for a week and five gallons of water and, uh, and, and some matches, and, but you can't make it to shore with everything that's in that boat. You're going to sink, and so what do you throw overboard? And, and that would show what you value. Now, some of y'all just thought, I'm going to throw my friend overboard. And if you thought that, then you're in the right place today. Uh, you need this message because we're talking about the value of love. And, uh, and so Jesus was asked a values question, not quite like that one. But the religious leaders, they were actually trying to trap him. But they came to him and said, listen, there's a lot of laws in the scripture. There's 10 commandments. And then there's 500 or so that we've added uh, to around those. Which one of these laws is the most important? Here's Jesus' answer. It's in Mark 12. Jesus said this. He said, the most important command is this. Listen, people of Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. So he said, the Lord's one, three, three persons, but one. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. So that's the first commandment. He said, the second commandment is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, there are no commands more important than these. Now, that really hit the Pharisees because they had no love in them, all right? And, uh, and so sometimes we get focused on other things, but here Jesus is telling us the two most important things in our Christian walk are, is to love God and love each other. But that's probably one of the things we struggle with uh, more than, than, than anything. I mean, we've looked at values. We've talked about trust, forgiveness, respect, self-control, responsibility. But today we're going to talk about love, and I think that's probably the most important because here's what Paul said about love. He said and in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, Now all these things remain, faith, hope, and love. Three good ones, right? He said, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Love is number one. And, uh, and so it's real simple. There was even a guy who wrote a book. He owns a bunch of theme parks, like Six Flags parks and stuff. He wrote a book called Love Works because it does. But we don't incorporate that. We don't incorporate in our businesses, our business practices, or even in our lives. But, but he says the whole law, Paul goes on in Galatians 5, he said the whole law is made complete with this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, think about it. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're going to take care of him. You're going to look after his needs. You're not going to steal from him. You're gonna, I mean, that, that encompasses everything. Is that if you take the whole law, all of them, and sum it up, here's what it means. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's powerful, but we all struggle with that, right? Because sometimes it's not easy to love people. Matter of fact, a lot of times it's not easy to love people. And, uh, and so let's look at, we're going to look at what love is. We're going to ask some questions of love, and we're going to look at what love is. And, and uh, we used to do a, a program in the schools, and we'd come out with, uh, I think it was Aretha Franklin singing, what's love got to do with it, you know? And, uh, and the kids would get all rocking, and then we'd hit them with some stuff. And uh, I remember one time reading the definition of love. We're going to look at that out of 1 Corinthians 13, and this teacher goes, that's the best definition of love I've ever heard. Where'd you get it? And I said, don't tell anybody. He said, why? I said, it came from the Bible. Oh, okay. You know, but let's look at what genuine love is. I mean, it's the most misunderstood word in the English language, right? I can say I love my wife, 
But I can also say I love the saints. I can say, uh, you know, I, I love pizza or I love cake. Y'all know I love cake. But how many of you know there's a difference in how I use that word love? Uh, you know, I don't love cake anywhere near like what I love my wife. And, and uh, you know, and, and so it's a very misunderstood word. There's a love letter. It went like this. Dearest Ben, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since I broke our engagement. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever. Betty, sounds pretty good so far, doesn't it? Then she put a P.S. on there. Congratulations on winning the lottery. And uh, so how many of you think that was real love, right? You know, I mean, um, I don't think it was, you know. So there's a, <coughs> there's a lot of misconceptions about love. It says look at some of them. You know, I mean, we grow up with these misconceptions. You know, we read romance novels. We watch Hallmark. My goodness. You know, and, uh, and so let's look at it. One is love is romance. You know, that's a misconception that, you know, you know and, 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 and if you watch Hallmark, I mean, that's all it is. And they're all the same. It doesn't matter. I mean, two people, they don't like each other at first, right? You know, you got the guy and the girl. You pick out when you're, when you're just seeing the characters to start with. You're like, okay, it's going to be these two. And, and they don't like each other at first. And then you see, they'll make a little look at each other, you know. And you say, all right, I see it's starting to change a little bit. And then they start tolerating each other. And then they'll start liking each other, but they don't want to admit it. You know, there's some kind of conflict going on. Maybe one's trying to take the other's business or something. And, and something's going on. And then they'll start to trust each other and, and become friends. And, and, you know, they'll almost have a moment, you know. And then somebody will interrupt them. Happens every time. And, and then you have what? The big misunderstanding. One of them will see one with an old boyfriend or girlfriend. And so then instead of talking about it, they're just going to leave. You know, that's right, right? And then, you know, one, the guy rides up on a horse trying to get her back. I mean, they, they do, but in the last five minutes, they solve their problem. You get the kiss, and they live happily ever after, right? And, and then they make another movie about it. And they're all the same, but that's, that's not just the way real love is. You know, misconception is love is romance. A misconception, love is just a feeling. Well, you know, it is a feeling, and there's a lot of good feelings, but it's much more than that. Uh, another one is love is uncontrollable. You know, I shared this when I was doing my pickup lines, and I worked on Pastor Kathy with, and, and uh, I said, my love is uncontrollable. It's kind of like diarrhea, you know, and you just can't control it. And, uh, you know, and everybody went, oh, just like y'all did, and that one didn't work on her, by the way, but... You know, people say stuff like, oh, my head is spinning, my knees are wobbly, I'm giddy. That sounds kind of like motion sickness to me. But, I mean, you know, people say that or, or they'll say, oh, that people do the craziest things when they're in love. And they do, right? Uh, you know, or they just fell in love, kind of like they were walking down the street, tripped and fell off in a ditch. They fell in love. You know, and, and, and so, I mean, if you think about the words we use, it's kind of crazy. And here's the thing. If you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. And that's not real love. And, uh, and so what, let's look at what some things God says about love. Number one, what does God say about love? He says, one, love is a matter of choice. Love is a matter of choice. It's a choice that you can control. See, Jesus said, love each other as I've loved you. He didn't say, feel warm and fuzzy, feel romantic. He didn't say, feel anything. He said, love somebody, love each other. He never commanded, you can't command a feeling. He never commanded us to feel a certain way, but he said love each other. And, uh, and so he commands our actions. Look at Colossians 3.14 on your outline. It says this, above all, clothe yourselves with love. 
which binds us together in perfect harmony. Paul says it's like getting dressed. Clothe yourself with love. You don't open your closet and fall into it and walk out dressed. I mean, you know, you, you look at that closet and you choose what you're going to wear. You put it on. And that's what Paul's saying. You put on love because love is actions. And we're going to look at what those actions are in a minute. You put it on just like you put your clothes on. You put it on. And so love is a, it's a matter of choice. And, uh, and so you put on love. You choose to love. Number two, love is a matter of conduct. Love is a matter of conduct. We're going to look at that. Love is a verb. I used to do a talk with kids on. And, and uh, it's about the way we act. John said this in 1 John three eighteen. Little children, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. My mother-in-law used to say, words, words, words. I want to see some deeds, you know. And uh, that usually meant she wanted me to get her ice cream or something like that, you know. But, but uh, we need to show love by our actions. Now, the Greeks had a lot of different words for love, ranging from friendship to love of parents to sexual attraction to unconditional love of God towards us. And that's the kind of love he's talking about here is that unconditional love that loves no matter what. We're to act with love towards each other. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How does love act? And so we've got to learn to act like love is supposed to act. And it's tough because this is kind of where the rubber meets the road here. You know, Paul gives us a guide to the actions of love in 1 Corinthians 13. So we're going to look at this. And this is the passage that the teacher one time said, that's the best definition of love I ever heard. And, and uh, she said, where'd you get it? And I said, the Bible. You know, and so we just never quoted the reference. We just said, hey, love is patient, love is kind, love is... And she's going, oh, those are wonderful, you know, and they are, and we're going to look at them. So Paul is actually saying, look, here's how you love. Here's what you do when you love. First one, he says in uh, thir- chapter 13, verse 4, love is patient. So be patient is the first one. Wouldn't you know the hardest one to do he would start out with first? I mean, I, I mean, the, it's an action of love, and loving somebody takes patience because it's, it's easier. Sometimes we're rougher on the people we, quote, love than we are on strangers, right? And he said, you've got to be patient. It's an act of patience. I mean, waiting is a big part of our lives, and patience in that is a big part. So, you know, maybe you're waiting with somebody. Uh, you're waiting for good things to happen in your life, and you're waiting together, but that's not as hard as waiting for somebody. Maybe you've been waiting for a, a spouse or a child to come to faith in Christ for a long time. Uh, maybe you've been, you know, I remember a guy walked up the aisle at a church one time and gave his life to the church. Lord, his, his wife had been praying for him for like 20-something years. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's a, you've been waiting for a child that's a wayward child to come back and, and come to their senses. And, and, and so we're waiting for people. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a change that needed to happen years ago. And they hadn't made this choice yet. But we're waiting for them, and we've got to be patient. I mean, if you think about it, that's what God does for us, right? He's waiting for us. And so Paul says in Ephesians 4, 2, he said, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. And then he tells us how to do that. He said, be patient with each other. And then he says this, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And so what patience is, patience is making allowance for another person's faults because of your love. It's making allowances for that person. It's, uh, it, it's, it's uh, you know, and here's some examples I'll give you. I mean, some of y'all were getting ready for church this morning. And maybe 
One of you beat the other one getting ready. Well, real love, real patience doesn't go sit in the car with the motor running. Or circle the block, you know, or, or leave them. That's even worse. I mean, you know, you, you know, you don't go out and blow your horn. You patiently wait. Patience means helping your kids with their homework, even when you don't want to be helping them with their homework. And you'd rather be doing something else. Patience is not doing it for them. It's helping them. Patience doesn't finish other people's sentences for them. I mean, guys, we, we're punchline guys, right? We want to get to the point, right? And the ladies, for the most part, they want to tell you the whole story. And, and so what we're doing too much, and anybody besides me ever get in trouble doing this, you want to finish the sentence before they say it, but you want to finish it the way you would finish it? Well, patience doesn't do that. And love is patient, and, and, and it, it, it'll be patient in the way we talk with people and the way we listen to people. There's no better example of that than God. He listens to every word when we pray. He doesn't try and guess my punchline, even though he knows it, because he knows everything, but he listens. And he patiently waits for me. I mean, God waits for me to grow. He waits for me to change. He waits for me to let go of sin. He, he, and, and some of y'all, maybe you're in this room or you're watching, he's waiting for some of you to turn to him with your life and give him your life. See, the first action of love is to be patient. And that's, 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 that's a tough one, but it's, it's an action. It's an action that you can see. The second, he says love is not only patient, love is kind. So be kind. That's an action. We can be kind to other people. You can be kind to the waitress today when you go out to eat. Uh, You know, love is patient. Love is kind. And so what is kindness? I'm going to give you a definition of kindness. Kindness is caring for someone in the practical and small details of their life. Kindness is caring in a practical way for whatever details of their life you care about. Kindness is taking those wedding vows that you made and taking out the trash or washing dishes. Uh, kindness is, is uh, you know, it's, it's taking care of somebody who can't take care of themselves. Some of y'all are doing that. Kindness is, it makes a difference. It, you know, it may not fix the problems, but it makes them better. I remember when we had COVID. Different ones of y'all brought us food. It didn't make COVID go away, but it sure made us feel better. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we're going to be doing candy bags shortly for inmates. I've run into more men on the outside and women as well that said, you know, while I was in jail, that little candy bag y'all gave out at Christmas made me feel human just for a minute, just for a little bit. Makes a difference in people's lives. You know, Christmas dinners, those dinners we're talking about doing, that's going to make the difference in somebody's life, a difference. It might not change their situation, but it's going to let them know somebody cares about them. Uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe when you're in line, you pay for somebody's groceries. Uh, you know, uh, or, you know, maybe, maybe you leave a big tip with a waitress that you've been talking to, especially if you talked about the Lord, and especially if you leave a little red Bible, leave a good tip, uh, you know, but, but, you know, just an act of kindness, you know, those are things that we can do. One act of kindness, you've got the power to change somebody's life through one act of kindness, and, and that's why God says love is kind, one act of kindness, so we need to, we need to be about, that's a very practical way to show love, to be kind to other people. And, uh, and there was a survey one time about what people were looking for in a leader. Now, this goes contrary to what you hear a lot about leadership. But one of the things at the top was someone who can encourage your heart. People looking for something in a leader, somebody that can encourage their heart. 
And that's what kindness does. It encourages people's heart. So Paul gives us an outline of how that works. In Ephesians 4.32, he said, be kind to each other. Then he said, tenderhearted. Tenderhearted is me caring about what's going on, about what you're facing. He said, be tenderhearted. Then he says, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because of Christ. Now he's saying, look, I forgave you, so you forgive others. You see, it, it means we forgive others just like God forgave us. And that's hard. That's hard. But we've got to act towards people like God acts towards us. Now, we've talked about what forgiveness is and isn't. And forgiveness isn't necessarily letting them back in your life. Forgiveness is not a reestablishment of trust. It's just not holding them accountable for that anymore. Someone wrote this about kindness. Beginning today, treat everybody you meet as if they were going to be dead by midnight. Aren't y'all glad y'all came to church today? <laughs> You know, Pastor Kathy, when I had that angiogram, she said, you know, my, my nephew was in there, and we're both techies, and she said, if you live through this thing, I'll let you get that new MacBook Pro you want. So I wasn't asleep yet when she said that. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, when I survived that thing, I ordered that MacBook Pro. <laughs> she said, what are you going to the Apple store for? Don't you remember you said if I lived, I could get that, you know? So, I mean, beginning today, treat everybody that you meet as if they're going to be dead by midnight. And then you can extend to them all the caring kindness and understanding you can muster and do it with, without a thought of reward, and your life will never be the same again. It just changes who you are. When kindness changes you more than it helps them, but it'll make a difference in them. The third thing I want to tell you about, about uh, love is don't be showy. You don't want to impress people about how much you love them. It's better if it's anonymous. I mean, uh, don't be showy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he said it does not boast and it is not proud and it doesn't envy. See, uh, you know, this verse is kind of dealing with insecurity because insecure people envy others. Insecure people brag about what they do, uh, you know, and so when you're secure in your love, when you're secure in someone else's love, you don't have to worry about that. That's why God says, nothing can separate you from my love. I mean, God says to each one of you, I love you, and there is nothing you can do to change that. Nothing you can do to change that. He loves us, and that's the kind of love he wants us to have for people. That's why a lot of times, it don't matter how bad a, a kid is. I mean, when I'm in the jail running to guys, you know, and, and they've done some horrible things, but they always got a mama. They got a mama that loves them. She might love them at a distance, but she loves them. God never gives up. God loves them. Don't be showy. And so let me ask, what are you doing right now that might be adding some insecurity into your relationships? Maybe, maybe you're hiding something from your spouse. Maybe you're being inconsistent with your kids. I mean, do they know what to expect from you, or do they wonder which Robert's coming home? Do they wonder which, you know, which parent am I going to get? Am I going to get mean daddy or nice daddy? Uh, am I going to get drunk dad or sober dad? You know what I mean? Which one am I getting? Are, are you consistent? You know? And, uh, and, and when we're inconsistent, it gives insecurity. But when, we're, when we love, when we're not showy, we really love. I mean, maybe, maybe you got somebody in your life that you hadn't talked to in a while. And, and look, maybe you just need to call that person and say, look, I, I, we, we've, we've gotten off track a little bit here. I'm sorry. But I want you to know that no matter what, I love you, and, there, and I'll be here for you, no matter what. No matter what's happened in the past, no matter what will happen in the future. That's security. 
when you can tell that to somebody and mean that, and uh, you can do that. And so, uh, you know, we need to we need to make sure that we're we're not showy, but we're showing true love. And number four, write this down: don't be selfish. Oh man, this goes contrary to what our culture teaches. So our culture, you know, it's all about what you get and everything, and and uh, so don't be selfish. It says this in verse five. Love is not rude, it does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. All the guys said amen. amen. How many of y'all have ever gotten in trouble and your wife went historical on you? <laughs> not hysterical, historical. She just reminded you of everything you've ever done wrong, right? You know, and, and for some of us, it's a longer list than others. I mean, you know, but... But anyway, it doesn't keep a record of being wrong. I wouldn't advise guys in an argument using that scripture with your wife. It won't go well, I can just tell you. Let's look at this. He says it's not rude. Rudeness is a sign of selfishness. Demanding your own way is a sign of selfishness. Being irritable because you didn't get what you wanted is a sign of selfishness. You know, uh, keeping a record of wrongs is a sign of selfishness. And love is not rude. It doesn't, it does, it's not rude. It, you're not selfish with your words. Love doesn't demand its own way. You know, it's not all about me. Let me ask you, do you ever have a plan for somebody in your family and they don't know what your plan is and then they're not going along with your plan but you're mad at them for not going along with the plan that they don't know about? Right? That usually only happens in families and churches, right? I mean, you know, and, and so we do that. But love doesn't demand its own way. Love's not irritable or easily angered. Doesn't get up and stay in a bad mood, you know. Uh, it's like, you know, maybe, you, you know, if your wife ever tells you when you get up in the morning, make sure you get up on the right side of the bed. I mean, you know, you need to work on that. Uh, you know, love is not easily angered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. We forgive. We move on. Love is not selfish. And listen, when we love, it changes the way we use our words. It changes our actions. It changes the way we plan. Because it's not selfish. And it changes our attitudes through the day. I, I think every one of us think like this at some point. When we're, we're talking, about, talking about this. Well, I, I'm going to be unselfish to this person. I'm going to be totally un... I'm going to put them first. I'm going to do this all for them. And it's going to rock their world. And they're going to do that back. Anybody ever think that way? And, and how many of you know most of the time that doesn't happen? Most of the time it doesn't come. A lot of times it doesn't come back. Sometimes it will. But, you know, I mean, we want them to serve me, you know. And, but listen, that's not what love is. Love is when you give it and don't expect in return. Amen. It's when you give it and you don't expect in return. And, uh, and so, and there's some fear in that because we're afraid. What if I do this and they don't accept it? They don't, what if I ask forgiveness from somebody and they say, forget it, you know. It's on them. You know, there's some fear in that. We worry about that. And, uh, and, and maybe they'll respond right, and maybe they won't. But, but we just have to do what God has called us to do, which is to put the love out there. See, God has selfish, selflessly loved us all, and some of us have never loved him back. It's the same thing. See, God put himself out there. He sent Jesus to die on a cross. He sent Jesus to live and show us how to live, and then he paid the price for our sins on a cross and some of us have still not responded to that gift that God gave. We're going to celebrate Christmas in a few weeks. Our kids are going to sing, and we're going to be, everybody's got Christmas parties they'll go to, but some people have still refused to accept the gift God gave, 
of Jesus, he put his love out there. And, and just like we're afraid sometimes to put it out there because people may not respond right, but we got to do like God did. We need to put it out there and, and allow God, uh, and allow, we got to love like God loved. And he put it out there. I mean, love's our greatest risk we can take, but it has the greatest benefits. You know, uh, it provides our greatest joys, but it also provides our greatest hurts, doesn't it? So there's a lot to go on there. But it's through love, it's through the value of love that God changes you and me and those around us. See, we don't ever change anybody with facts, figures, and, and hate and all that. We change people through love, through forgiveness, and, uh, and loving like God loves. To love others, like God said, let me tell you, it's worth the risk. The fifth thing that Paul says right here is don't quit. Don't quit. He said in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, he said, love, what? Never gives up. How many of you got somebody you've been waiting on, you've been praying for, you're about to quit? I mean, it just doesn't, but love doesn't quit. How many of you glad God didn't quit on you? See, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Let me tell you, love says, look, I'm committed to you no matter what. I had a friend of mine. He'd been married for about 30 years at the time. and He's from Namibia, Africa. He's over Youth for Christ there. And he, he said, I told my wife one day, he said, you know, I've not always been in love with you. In other words, I hadn't always had the warm fuzzies towards you. He said, but I've always been committed to getting those warm fuzzies back. That's, the, that's, that's love. It never gives up. It's a commitment. Never lose faith. Love says, I'm committed to you no matter what. There was a story I read about two guys on the battlefield, World War I, and, and they were worried that maybe one would chicken out and leave the other one there by himself and run. So what they did was they tied a rope to each other and they tied the knot. That's where that phrase comes from. They tied the knot, and they were tied together so that if they had to leave, they were going to win together or leave together. And, uh, and so th that's commitment. And that's what love is. It's a commitment to tying the knot. That's genuine love. So how do you never give up? How do you never lose faith? You know, how do you always hope for the best? It's not necessarily enabling somebody to do bad behavior, but you're always hoping. You always have faith that God's going to bring them back around. How do you endure through it all? Where do you get the power to love like God does? Where do we get that power to love like God does? Let's look back at that first verse that we looked at. Jesus replied to that question when they said, How do you, what about all the commandments? He said this one. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Let me even back up before that. He said, the most important commandment is listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. There can only be one God in your life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. There's no multiple religions. There's one God. And he said, you've got to love this God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That's where the power to love like God comes from. Because it comes from him. I can't love like that. I can't forgive people who hurt me. I mean, I want to run over them just like you want to run over them when and stuff like that. But God changes us from the inside. And it comes from God. Then he says the second quality, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. So, you know, the, the loving your neighbor part's second base. Loving God's first base. You've got to go to first base before you run to second base, all right? 
And, and so you've got to get that part down because you can't love somebody else like God loves them unless you've experienced God's love. You've got to receive that love. And, and, and maybe you're here today and you've never, you can come, listen, I went to church two, three times a week all my life until the day I accepted Christ. But when I was 17, I accepted Christ. At 16, I would have busted hell wide open and it would have been a reunion down there. I mean, it would have, the devil would have welcomed me and then it wouldn't have been fun. But at 17, I made a commitment. I wanted Jesus in my life. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to learn to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength. That means we receive him as our Savior. That's where the power comes from. First base is loving God. It's kind of like if you bought a car. I mean, I bought a car one time, and it my first Honda. And, and I, I get in the car, and I crank it up, and I couldn't get it to go into gear. I'm thinking, man, brand new car. Doesn't work. Now, I had not read the owner's manual. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, I'm trying, and... And I see this little thing, and so I stick something in there and I move the gear. I said, okay. You mean I got to do that every time I get in the car? Nobody told me. Just push the brake, and it'll go in any gear you want. You know? I mean, and that's kind of the way we are. It'd be like if you bought the car, and, and, and you don't know that, uh, that there's a key that turns it on. And so you start pushing it. And, and going downhill, it'll coast pretty good, you know? It's a fun ride. You don't have power steering, so it's kind of, you know, kind of a little rough there. And, and, uh, and that's the way a lot of relationships are. When you first meet, you're coasting, you know, it's exciting. And uh, then you come to a flat area, and that car just stalls out and dies. And you go, all right, well, one of us got to get out and push. And, uh, and, and so maybe both of you get out and push, and you're trying, but you're just not going anywhere. But you, and you're about ready to quit pushing on that new car, and you just don't realize there's a key in there. If you just turn that key, you've got all the power in the world. Let me tell you what. We've got a key. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And all you've got to do is accept Jesus. And you've got all the power in the world. You've got the power that raised Jesus from the dead. You've got the power that created this world living in you. And so that's what we've got to do. You might be about to give up on a relationship. You might be about to give up on praying for a kid or a family member. Realize we've got that power. And God wants us. To continue on. Matter of fact, Paul said this. Let's not get tired of doing what's right. And I know some of you have been praying for some people for a while. Let us not get tired of doing what's right. For after a while, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. And you might have been praying for somebody to come to salvation. You might have somebody at work you've been trying to treat nice. But they just, every time you see them, they give you a verbal beatdown. I mean, you're just tired of it or they're abusive, or they do you dirty at work, Paul says, don't get tired of doing what's right. Don't get tired of doing your job with excellence. Don't get tired of going in on time. Don't get tired of showing them love, even when it doesn't come back. Because he said, if you don't quit and get discouraged and give up, there's a harvest of blessing. I don't know what that harvest is going to be in your life. But the Word of God says, when we do what God has called us to do, and we keep doing it, and we don't quit doing it, as long as we know God's telling us to do it, there's going to be a harvest of blessing. It might be in this life, it might be in the next, but there's going to be a harvest of blessing. We just got to make the choice to accept God's love into our lives. So I want you to bow your heads for a minute.